your left hemisphere actually confabulates these reasons later to justify whatever you're doing emotionally. Hello and welcome to Nick's Knack for Neologisms, episode 35, where we define and discuss the most amazing words in the English language. Last episode, we covered preternatural, chimerical, and incantation. And in this episode, we're covering prodigal, vacillate, fervid, and confabulate, which are some really good words. I hope you guys like these words as much as I do. Let's get on to our first word, which is prodigal. P-R-O-D-I-G-A-L, prodigal. It's an adjective, and it means wastefully or recklessly extravagant, such as a prodigal expenditure. And it can also mean lavishly abundant, profuse, such as nature's prodigal resources. So this word just means something that we have maybe an abundant supply of, or it means we're just wasteful with it, as if we've got so much of it that we could use it forever. So there are times when I go on Amazon and I have a little bit of a prodigal problem when it comes to spending. You know how you click one item and you're like, I'm just going to get this, but then Amazon's very good at recommending other items that might be of use. And you're like, you know what, I should probably get that and I should probably get that. And then the next thing you know, you've prodigally spent $100 when you were only trying to spend $5. Our mnemonic for this word is we are going to think pro with gals. To be a pro with gals, you have to waste your money. Prodigal. To be a pro with the gals, you have to waste your money. That's all I got for that one. Prodigal does have the prefix P-R-O-D, which stands for fourth. And if you remember our uh, previous episode, we covered the word prodigious, which if I'm, rem- if I'm remembering right, it means something that's large in size. So you can see how prodigious and prodigal both kind of relate to each other, except I don't think prodigious actually can ever mean wastefully using something like the word prodigal does. But you could be so prodigious in your income, for instance, that that leads to prodigal spending, if that makes sense. If you want to save money for college, you should stop your prodigal spending sprees. The government's prodigal spending is going to ruin the country's economy. Everyone wants to know how Harvey can live such a prodigal lifestyle on such a small salary. Even when the dictator saw his people dying of hunger, he refused to change his prodigal way of life. So I'm just looking over our word list here for other words that we've covered on previous episodes and trying to see if we have any other words that relate to prodigality. How about the word imbibe? It doesn't really relate to prodigality directly, but how about people who imbibe one too many drinks? Do you guys know of anybody who's imbibed a lot of drinks and then they subsequently become a prodigal spender? I think of people that go to casinos, right? And they get super drunk and then the next thing you know, they're gambling away all their money via prodigality. Or how about a celebrity's prodigality that gets publicized and then that celebrity suffers from opprobrium afterwards, right? They're just completely shameful about the money they spent, not because they spent the money, but because other people found out about it. Another thing you'll notice with prodigal is that it almost has, I don't want to say a sacrilegious connotation, but it certainly isn't associated with something good in the Bible. In fact, 
in some of these examples we'll listen to that I found on YouTube, you'll notice it's associated with this person in the Bible known as the prodigal son, who apparently inherited his father's fortune only to later waste it. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. The word wasting is the same word in the previous parable of the previous chapter of the prodigal son, where he wasted all of his father's wealth on wasteful or prodigal living. So prodigal and wasteful, it's the same word. Go ballistic. I was a prodigal. I was walking in rebellion. Love my family, still related to them, but said I was doing everything that I shouldn't do. Drugs, alcohol, I mean, just everything for three years. What is extremely clear, though, is that from his first murder, Lecter would grow up to become a prodigal murderer and cannibal until his capture in 1975. All right, so that's the word prodigal. Our mnemonic was to become pro with the gals who have to waste your money, and it means lavishly abundant, profuse, or wastefully or recklessly extravagant. All right, let's move on to our next word, which is vacillate. This is an awesome word. I think it's a word you should know. People use it in conversation sometimes, and it's one of those words that I thought we had covered. I was almost positive we had covered it because it's used so frequently, and then I went through our word list. I didn't see it, so then I had to go back on iTunes. I was like, God, do we cover this word, and I just didn't put it in my word list, and uh, lo and behold, I found that we had not covered it. So vacillate is a verb, V-A-C-I-L-L-A-T-E, vacillate, and it means to waver in mind or opinion, be indecisive or irresolute. His tendency to vacillate makes him a poor leader. So for some of you who are a little older, like around my age, maybe you're in your 30s or I don't know, maybe you're younger and you study politics, you'll remember there was a senator, I think his name was Kerry, Kerry Edwards, I think was his name. I'm pretty sure that's his name. He was running for presidency and he was accused of vacillation. So I think that's when the word sort of came into vogue, if you will, that's when it came into popularity is with Senator Kennedy. I don't know who kind of uh, I don't want to say coined, but I don't know who was the first person to use vacillate as related to him. But I think that's when the word became super popular because they accused him of vacillation. He would constantly flip-flop on his opinion. And then later, Kerry uh, defended himself, I think, by saying, well, yeah, I changed my opinion on certain things because new evidence became available. And who wants someone who's going to be static in their opinion when the evidence changes or when they become aware of new evidence? So that was his defense. It was kind of interesting. So vacillate, I would say, is, is, is kind of a popular word because of the way it was used in that political environment. Vacillate can also mean to sway unsteadily, waver, totter, stagger. And it can also mean to oscillate or fluctuate. So for our mnemonic, I think vacillate sounds like oscillate, which means to, to move back and forth, right? You could think of maybe a pendulum oscillating or something like that. So oscillate, vacillate, they're very similar. They can be used interchangeably. But vacillate, you'll see, used more in regards to someone changing their mind or their opinion. And they're sort of mercurial about how they do it, or they're a little whimsical about how they do it. That's what I think of when I think of vacillate. If you ask Paula to choose a restaurant for lunch, she will vacillate between restaurants forever. You will miss a great opportunity if you vacillate instead of accepting the job offer. Although Helen will vacillate on the choice for a long time, in the end, she will more than likely make the right decision. 
So I think one thing that is interesting as we're studying these words is when we hear them used in real life examples, I think all of us kind of make a mental note as to whether or not the word just has this sort of broad goodness to it or this broad badness to it. And so when you hear people use the word vacillate, it's usually used not extremely negatively, but somewhat negatively. Like in the case of that senator was certainly used negatively in the sense that it was a bad thing. Like, oh my God, it's it's bad to vacillate in opinion. But I don't think it's necessarily bad to vacillate. What do you guys think? How often do you vacillate? How often do you look at every possible side of something before making a decision or before forming an opinion? Or how, how often have you vacillated when it comes to something? I think of things in my life where I vacillated and then the evidence has changed or new information has become available. And now my opinion is swaying back in the other direction. So I don't think vacillate has to necessarily have a negative connotation with it, but it typically does. I vacillate between drinking lots of red wine and not drinking at all for a week. You think about it, you think about it, and you think about it, and it's like, here are the five reasons why I shouldn't. Here are the five reasons why I shouldn't. And you sit and you and you vacillate between these two extremes, and then you and you can go into that mental storm forever. The opposite of persuadable is decisive. And so what leaders need to do, I think, is vacillate between being persuadable and being decisive. I think that Americans really vacillate between being like hyper aggressive and like we're going to gonna go out there and just, you know, kind of like remake the world in our image and then pivoting super hard in the other direction. All right, so that's the word vacillate. It means to waver in mind or opinion or to be indecisive or irresolute. And our mnemonic was it sounds like oscillate, which we all know means to move back and forth. Let's move on to our next word, which is fervid. F-E-R-V-I-D, fervid, fervid. It's an adjective, and it means heated or vehement in spirit, enthusiasm, etc. A fervid speaker. Or it can also mean burning, glowing, intensely hot, fervid. So when I think of fervid, I just think of someone who has like a lot of energy, a lot of passion, a lot of zeal. That is fervidness. And my guess is that the word probably initially meant burning, glowing, intensely hot, and then people just later sort of expanded the use of it. And then it became heated or vehement in spirit, enthusiasm, etc. So I go back and I think of, you remember those old videos of Hitler giving his diatribes and his harangues? He was very fervid when he was giving those speeches, red in the face, intensely hot, extremely passionate. Hitler was a fervid speaker. A lot of, a lot of speakers that are in the public eye are fervid speakers. Martin Luther King, I think you could consider somewhat fervid, not to the extent that Hitler was, but certainly fervid in the sense that he was impassioned and had a lot of enthusiasm. Or how about just anyone who's sort of rallying for a cause, whatever cause it may be, and they've got that loud microphone and they're just blurting things out and they're trying to get people amped up. That's a very fervid speaker. So our mnemonic, the way I kind of remember this word is it's got the prefix F-E-R in it. So I think of other words like ferocious or fervent or fervor or feral or ferment 
or even like a ferret, the animal of ferret, they have a lot of energy and kind of tenacity and tenaciousness to them. And all those words sort of are heated words like ferociousness and fervent and fervor and feral, something that's feral is not tamed, right? And so that's the way I remember that fervid means something that's sort of intensely hot, impassioned, heated, enthusiastic. The politician spoke with a fervid intensity that made people want to vote for him. The inventor's fervid imagination allowed him to create many wonderful products. And now that I think about it, after reading that sentence, that's usually how I see fervid used. It's usually followed by the word imagination. You always hear of a fervid imagination. I cannot be a fervid supporter of any company that harms the environment to make its goods. The candidate made a fervid speech that held the audience's attention. Loss of a man who well represented some of the finest characteristics of the Celtic race. Its rich root, its rich humor, and subtle wit, its fervid passion and genial warmth of heart. Of beauty, of freedom, of justice, that its fervid and perilous flow allows. These are the values that must drive change and guide us to the fervent and perilous flows ahead. All right, so that's the word fervid, and it means heated in spirit or enthusiastic. And our mnemonic was we just thought of other words like ferocious, fervent, ferret, feral, ferment, and we realize all those words are heated words as well. Let's move on to our last word, which is, I'm going to have to admit, you guys, this is my favorite word. I love this word. I think you guys are going to enjoy it as well. It's confabulation. It's probably one of my top five words, period. If I had to say one of my top five favorite words, confabulation, I would have to say is in there because I think we all do it, myself included. We do it so much. It's crazy, but we don't even realize it. Confabulation, it's a noun, C-O-N-F-A-B-U-L-A-T-I-O-N, confabulation. So it's like, Fabulation plus con, fabulation, confabulation. And sometimes it can mean to converse informally, to chat, but more often than not, it has a more specific definition. And this is the definition I want us to focus on. And it means to replace a gap in a person's memory by falsifying what he or she believes to be true. So what happens is say someone says, let's say we see something, I don't know, kind of exciting and a friend asks us a question about it, and they're like, what color was the person's shirt? And let's just say that there were two people arguing, and you remember one person had a very distinct color on, right? But you don't actually remember. You just remember the color was distinct, but you can't really remember what color it is. And so what you do is you confabulate. You replace your non-memory with a false memory of, say, pink in this instance. So that would be an instance of confabulation. And the reality is we all confabulate. I mean, our memory is not perfect. The more you study memory, the more you realize, oh my God, there's gaping holes in memory everywhere. And so rather than us acknowledging these gaping holes, we often confabulate. And I think more often than not, it's not like something we necessarily do intentionally. I think it's just we, we do it because there's that gap there and we don't want the gap in our memory or we don't want the gap there as we're telling somebody what happened. The way I remember this word confabulate, it almost sounds like fabulate to me almost sounds like fabricate, like we're making something up. And so I just remember, okay, confabulate, confabricate, we're fabricating a memory. 
So if you really wanted to see whether or not you can fabulate, just experience something in your everyday life, write it down immediately after it happens, and then a week or two later, try to recall that incident perfectly and see how much you're confabulating. Of course, even then, it's not the best evidence for the fact that we confabulate because because you wrote it down, you're probably more likely to remember that remember it than if you hadn't written it down, right? So really the best way is to have someone just secretly videotape you doing something and then to ask you about it a week later and they'll be like, hey, you remember when you were doing this? Tell me about it. And then you'll tell them about it and they'll be like, well, actually, this is what happened. And how many of us have got into what I would call confabulatory arguments with someone about what really happened, right? No, this is what happened. No, I swear, this is what happened. You both were there. That's what's crazy. And the reality is we're both confabulating. I think that's what's so funny. Both of us are, are confabulating. Neither of us is 100% accurate. I can't really remember what happened. In fact, if I was actually there, might be mere confabulation. Members of the jury, although I think Miss White believes she's telling the truth, she's actually confabulating. Video recording shows she did not actually enter the building. What difference does it make if I am confabulating or not? The memories seem very real to me. How often have you debated a friend over what happened? The more a memory is accessed, the more it distorts, and the more likely we are to confabulate. What's interesting with this type of a dementia is that people are so committed to their alcoholism that they will start to, the word is confabulate, but they start to make things up and they start to forget things, but then they make things up to go in place of those. Presenting false evidence to a person who is vulnerable due to a heightened state of uncertainty might result in a confession. And this person may well internalize and confabulate their memory for the event. Reasons come after the fact. Reasons are rationalizations. They're backwards rationalizations. Your left hemisphere actually confabulates these reasons later to justify whatever you're doing emotionally. We say, why did he do that? And again, this is typical performance. The, the little kids confabulate. They come up with a reason why he might have taken that other cheese sandwich, which is consistent with him not wanting his own anymore. But the truth is neuroscience research shows that each time we remember something, our brains distort it. And if there's no memory in place, our brains will often confabulate rather than letting us worry about missing details. All right, so that's the word confabulate, and it means to replace a memory with something false. And our mnemonic was confabricate. We're fabricating a memory. All right, let's go through our four words and see if we can remember their definition. So the first word we talked about was prodigal. And we talked about a prodigal son who allegedly what his father's fortune, he wasted his, father, his father's fortune. So prodigal means wasteful or to be wasteful. Then we talked about the word vacillate. And I mentioned how there was a senator Senator Kerry, I think was his name, and he liked to vacillate. And we remembered vacillate sounds like oscillate, and it means to sway or go back and forth in opinion. Then we had the word fervid. Fervid, 
And our mnemonic was, I was like, all right, we're going to remember ferocious, feral, ferment, fervor. All those words are hot. They're heated words. So when we see fervid, we'll think of hot, something that's intense. And then lastly, we had confabulate. Our mnemonic was confabricate because we are confabricating. We're fabricating our memories. We're replacing gaps in our memories with something that did not happen. All right, so that wraps it up for Nick's Knack for Neologisms, episode 35. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I want to give a quick shout out to Ezawad for leaving me a review on iTunes. He said, stupendous episodes. Love the word usage there of stupendous. That's a great word. Please do a few more in 2019, your grade. Well, thank you, Ezawad, for the compliment, and I'm glad to have you as a listener. And yeah, stay tuned for more episodes. Should be another one in about a week or so. That's my goal. And yeah, I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye.